0: Hello, and welcome to Holly History, where we discuss what you want to hear, bringing you the story and answering your questions. No fake news, no alternative facts. Just history, all the time. Welcome to Holly History, where we discuss what you want to hear. Uh, Mr. Christman here today. Uh, going to be talking about the Constitution and the principles or the main ideas upon which the Constitution is built. i uh, going to kind of break down the Constitution for you and talk about those principles with some uh, details and examples uh, from throughout history. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to start with the the introduction uh, of the Constitution, uh, which sometimes is referred to as the preamble. And if you remember your English class well, uh, any introduction uh, will state the purpose of the document. So I did want to take a moment to read uh, the exact text of the preamble. It's it's one of the view one of the few times during this podcast I'm going to read exact text uh, from the Constitution, but I think this is an important one. So the preamble reads as follows: quote. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America, Um, You know, when you break that down, there's a number of things they're really trying to say here. Uh, and First, I'd like to point out your, your English teachers would have uh, a problem with the phrasing because it's all one massive run-on sentence and that's not grammatically correct. Uh, but let's ignore that for a moment and take a look at what they're actually saying. When they start off with we the people of the United States, they're really trying to make sure that, that the government knows who's in charge. And that's we the people. Uh, The second phrase, in order to form a more perfect union, I'd like to point out that when these folks put together this constitution, they never fooled themselves into thinking they were creating a perfect government. Uh, It was supposed to be a more perfect union than the first constitution of the United States, which was under the Articles of Confederation. They wanted to establish justice, a system of fairness, meaning that no matter who you are, if you break the law, uh, you should be treated uh, equally under that law. To ensure domestic tranquility, domestic tranquility. Uh, that means to ensure that there's peace here at home. Domestic means at home, tranquility is peace. Provide for the common defense, not just the defense of one or two areas or populated areas only. Provide for the common defense of all. Promote the general welfare, make sure that citizens are taken care of. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity meaning that the liberty, the freedom that they're talking about, isn't just for them. Their posterity are future generations. So they are are ordaining, basically saying that they're approving and establishing this Constitution for the United States of America. If you go and you actually look at the text of the Constitution, it's relatively short. Uh, Many adults think the Constitution is incredibly uh, large uh, and it's unreadable. Um, it actually is is quite readable uh, in my 7th uh, grade classes when I taught years ago, and, and now I teach juniors. We actually look at the text, and it's, it's pretty easy to figure out what it is they're talking about. The Constitution has seven parts. Uh, they're called Articles. Um, article 1 deals with the structure and powers of the legislative branch, which is Congress. Article 2 deals with the structure and power of the executive branch, which is the President. Article 3 deals with the structure and power of the judicial branch, which are the courts. Article 4 deals with the states. Article 5 deals with amendments and how you make changes to the Constitution. Uh, Article 6 is an entire section, or entire article, sorry, about debt uh, and and how debt is going to be repaid. And the last article, Article 7, is how is this Constitution going to be ratified, the process by which it's going to be approved. Um, within many of the articles, there are sections, kind of kind of subgroupings. Uh, and I think this is important because most of the sections appear in Articles 1, 2, and 3 about the three branches of government. So we talk about separation of power sometimes where Congress and the President and the court systems um, have power divided up amongst them, but it is not divided evenly. Uh, we like to think of things being fair and equal, and that's not the way the Constitution is divided up. Congress has 10 sections dealing with just Congress itself. Congress is given a tremendous amount of power. That is where uh, the founding fathers wanted the power to be. I think it's interesting that the executive branch, which includes the president, only has four sections. Uh, Although we look at the president to uh, give credit or blame to, uh, constitutionally, that's not the way things are supposed to go. Um, the real power is supposed to belong in Congress, not in the president. I also think it's interesting Article 3 uh, with the judicial branch, there are only two sections dealing with the court system. So if you take a look at it, you know, Congress then has more than double the amount of power. The president has double the amount of the judicial branch. The judicial branch actually has the least amount of power uh, if you kind of break it down that way. Um, so I want to talk really quick here about the three branches, and I'm going to start off with Article 1 with Congress. Uh, if, if you listen to the last podcast, you'll know that Congress is bicameral, meaning it has two parts or two houses. Uh, one is called the House of Representatives. The other one is called the Senate. In the House of Representatives, uh, the number of representatives is based on a state's population. Uh, every state has to have, though, a minimum of one representative. The constitutional requirements for representatives is actually relatively simple. Uh, You must be at least 25 years old. You must live in the district you represent. Uh, Every state is divided into districts um, and you have to live in the area that you're representing and you must have lived in the U.S. for the last seven years. You fit those qualifications, you can run for office for the House of Representatives. of representatives is interesting in the fact that it has only a two-year term meaning every two years if you want to uh, keep your job you have to run for re-election the second part of congress is called the senate Um, the senate is very different than the house of representatives in the fact that it's based on equality as far as representatives go every state has two senators per state, so it doesn't matter whether you're your little old Rhode Island, uh, you're a mid-sized state like South Dakota, or you're a massive state like Alaska. That although it has a huge land size, is very small population. Every every state has two senators, and again, those the qualifications are relatively simple as well. There's only three: you must be at least 30 years old, you must live in the state you represent. Because senators don't represent districts, they represent the entire state. And uh, you must have lived in the U.S. for the last nine years. Now, that's kind of interesting. Again, no real qualification as far as education goes, uh, what kind of jobs you had to have had. I would like to point out that the Senate has the longest um Term stated in term of office stated in the Constitution at six years. So senators are in office for quite a long time. Now it doesn't matter if you're a member of the House of Representatives or the Senate. The base mem- base salary of all members of Congress, both the House and the Senate, is the same: uh, $174,000, which I would certainly take. Uh, but if you consider the you know what other uh, jobs pay. Um, The last person on the bench for the Buffalo Bills or the Buffalo Sabres make make way more than $174,000. Now, members of Congress can bulk up that pay a little bit if they're in leadership positions, um, and you'll learn more about that in in classes like participation in government. The Constitution is very clear about what Congress can do. Congress has some some very specific uh, jobs that it it can uh, do. Uh, number one is pass bills into laws. A bill is a proposed law. Um, second thing that Congress can do, according to the Constitution, is to borrow money. The third is to regulate or control commerce, which is trade. Uh, another is to establish naturalization laws, meaning that how if some, someone comes to the United States and wants to become a citizen, how does that happen? Congress is also in charge of coining money, meaning they, they determine how much money is going to be printed and what that will look like Uh, Congress also has the ability to establish systems of weights and measurements Uh, you know there's been talk uh, in our country for a long time about about why do we not use the metric system Uh, that's because Congress has decided um, numerous times over the years to keep the system that we have and not use the metric system Uh, who knows that might change in the future Congress also uh, is given the ability to establish post offices, which today doesn't seem like a big deal. But back when the Constitution was formed in the late 1700s, the way that you got information from one place to another, uh, post offices were crucial uh, to maintaining communication amongst the country. Uh, Another job that the Congress has is to declare war. That is not the job of the president. Uh, president can ask for a declaration of war, but only Congress can actually declare war. Uh, Congress can maintain the military, they can set aside funding for it, Uh, they can approve presidential appointments, and also approve treaties that the president has signed as well. Uh, There are some very specific powers that Congress does not have uh, that the Constitution is also very clear about. A lot of folks don't realize this. Uh, Congress cannot suspend a right called habeas corpus uh, unless there is a time of emergency. Uh, habeas corpus is a Latin term uh, that roughly translated means show the body, meaning that if you're going to be uh, detained by the authorities, they have to have some sort of evidence against you uh, to keep you in custody. So if habeas corpus is suspended, the authorities can then uh, detain you indefinitely. Now, habeas corpus has been suspended in times past, Uh, During the Civil War, Congress and and Lincoln will suspend habeas corpus, and that's okay because that's a time of emergency, but during normal times, habeas corpus is is something that cannot be taken away. It protects you from the authorities of just throwing you in jail uh, until they feel like dealing with you. Congress also cannot pass what are called ex post facto laws, Uh, and those would be laws that if you put in place today would, uh, would be in effect all the way back in the past so if you're going to pass a new law it has to be starting like today moving forward you can't go back um congress is not allowed according to the constitution to pass export taxes meaning that they're not allowed to tax items that are leaving the country they may tax goods coming into the country and last but not least um congress is not allowed to give out titles of nobility Uh, If you talk to folks who are from European countries, many European countries have nobility. Uh, Folks who are upper class or given certain titles uh, and certain uh, abilities to pay fewer taxes or things like that, Congress is not allowed to do that according to our Constitution. Now, there is something in the Constitution under Article 1 that deals with Congress that uh, gives Congress some wiggle room, so to speak, to uh, deal with laws in, in the future. Uh, Article 1, Section 8 is the elastic clause of the Constitution. That's the phrase that's used because it allows the, the Congress to stretch its powers. Um, the exact phrasing, and again, I'm going to quote the Constitution here, uh, and to so quote to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof, unquote that key phrase necessary and proper. So, for example, Congress, when Jefferson wanted to purchase the Louisiana Territory, Congress had to approve that. But there was nothing in the Constitution that said whether they could or could not. Um, They used the elastic clause to basically justify the Louisiana Territory Purchase, claiming that it was necessary, meaning that it was needed for the the growth of the country, and it was proper, it was ethically okay to do that, that it wasn't in violation of the Constitution. So Congress has quite a bit uh, that it is responsible for, Um, we tend to think of the president or the executive branch having all that power, but they, but they do not. Okay. So let's move on to the executive branch, which is article two. Uh, the executive branch includes the president and the vice president. And although they're not mentioned specifically in the constitution, it also includes the president's advisors, which are known as the president's cabinet. Constitutional requirements for president. There's only, there's only three of them. Again, very similar to the, the house and the Senate, um, First off, you must be a natural-born citizen of the United States, meaning that you were always a U.S. citizen from the time you were born. You must be at least 35 years old, and you must have lived in the United States for the last 14 years. term of office of president is only four years long, um, and after four years, you have to run for re-election. Up until 1951, um, tradition was that presidents only served two terms. They were following George Washington's precedent or tradition of only serving two terms. Uh, the only president to serve for more than two terms was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was elected to four terms. Uh, he should have served 16 years, but he died uh, in the middle of his last term. Uh, and what's interesting is, you know, FDR dies in 1945. Two years later they start the amendment process. To make sure that that never ever happened again because there was concern that a president could end up with too much power and that was a huge concern so by 1951 the 22nd amendment is ratified that prevents a president from serving more than two elected terms now just a really quick note here an easy way to remember that is 22 two and two two terms only for presidents now, constitutional requirements say that you have to be a natural-born citizen, 35 years old, lived in the United States for the last 14 years. But most of our presidents have fallen into other categories as well. I'm just going to speak in generalities here. Um, most of our presidents have been white. All the presidents up to this point have been male. Uh, many of them have been Christian. And a decent number of them have been uh, upper class and war heroes. And if you think about it, um, I could name a couple of war heroes uh, off the top of my head, people like George Washington, Andrew Jackson, Ulysses S. Grant, Teddy Roosevelt, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy. Uh, Americans tend to see war heroes as, as a good um, a good characteristic uh, for a president showing that they're patriotic and they have the ability to to command other people. Uh, the presidents have had cabinets. Uh, again, this is part of the Constitution. It's not, it's not there, but George Washington created a cabinet, although his, cab- his original cabinet only had five people in it, a group of advisors to help him out. Uh, the current cabinet right now has 27 different departments. And many of you, I'm sure, have heard of the different departments, they're all your secretaries of. Secretary of Education, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Homeland Security, and so on. President of the United States does not pay as well as you would think. Uh, I mean, I would still take $400,000 per year, but if you consider that the president is on the job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for four years, uh, I'm not sure I would say that $400,000 is... Uh, is fair compensation for that kind of stress and that kind of work. Um, I've had students in the past who thought, oh, the president doesn't have to pay taxes. Presidents do pay taxes uh, just like everyone else does. The president has a number of powers. Uh, first off, he can appoint officials to open jobs in the government, although they have to be approved by uh, the legislative branch. Uh, The president has the power to execute laws. That's why he's called the executive branch. Uh, In this case, we don't mean kill. Execute in this case means to carry out. Uh, The president can make treaties with other countries, but again, the legislative branch has to sign those in order for us to follow them. Uh, The president can commit troops outside of a declaration of war, meaning he can move troops around the globe uh, because he is commander-in-chief of the military. And last but not least, the president can provide pardons for folks who are found guilty of a crime and the president feels that um, either they've served their time or maybe the evidence against them was rather weak and he felt that there was some sort of problem with the judicial system. Speaking of that judicial system, we're going to move to, the, to Article 3 of the Judicial Branch, uh, which includes the, includes the Supreme Court uh, and lower courts called Circuit Courts and District Courts. Um the Supreme Court is made up of 9 justices. Um and if there's an opening in the Supreme Court, uh the president gets to appoint a new judge and they have to be approved by the Senate. There is no specific term of office. Um a member of the court either serves until they either resign, which means they uh step down, uh they die, which we've had happen, or uh they are found guilty of a crime and removed from office, which we have not had happen yet. Um The Supreme Court can hear cases that deal with disputes between states, uh, with disputes that involve foreign ambassadors, and they can also look at the laws of the United States and decide if they fit the Constitution or not. We call that the constitutionality of the laws. Um, Members of the Supreme Court actually make uh, about $255,000 a year. Uh, The Chief Justice, the head of the Supreme Court, makes a little more than that. but they don't have specific power other than those I just mentioned. Now, there are some ideas that the Constitution is based on. Uh, and again, those are called the principles of the Constitution. So I just wanted to highlight some of those. Uh, some of those, I, I know you've heard of these terms before, but I want to make sure we understand what they are. The first is federalism. Now, the, the word federal is in the word federalism. Federal, The federal government is another name for the national government federalism is that division of power between the state and the federal governments, meaning that there are certain jobs that only the state governments take care of, there are certain jobs that only the federal government takes care of, and there are certain jobs that they both can take care of. So, for example, states. Only states take care of graduation requirements. States don't have the same uh, graduation requirements if you move from one state to another For example, New York state has regents exams. Not every state has regents exams. Matter of fact, some states don't even have an an end of the year test. Um, States can regulate trade within the state. They can conduct elections and they can establish local governments. Uh, In our state, we have uh, towns and counties. Uh, In other states, you have townships or parishes. Uh, so, So the state can determine how those local governments are set up. The federal government is the only government that can take care of some things. And and when I talk about the federal government, again, we're talking about the national government. So only the federal government can declare war, meaning that all the states go to war or none. It's not New York can declare war on Canada by itself. Okay, so that is a federal responsibility. Another one of those is to print money. If you look at any currency, it always says the United States of America on the currency. It does not say New York State or the state of Hawaii or some other state. The federal government can also regulate interstate trade, meaning trade between states, and trade with foreign nations. Uh, The federal government can make copyright laws to protect people from uh, having their ideas being stolen. Uh, And again, as we discussed further earlier, uh, the federal government can also uh, make post offices. They can decide where to open uh, post offices and shut them down. Now, both levels of government uh, have a certain certain couple of things they both can do. Uh, both state and federal governments can borrow money. They can both build roads. They can both create their own criminal justice system. New York has its own justice, criminal justice system here for laws broken here in New York. The federal government has its own criminal justice system for federal laws that are broken. And the one thing that everybody loves to talk about is that both state and federal government can tax uh, and here in New York State, that's kind of kind of a big issue because our state taxes are relatively high. Other states choose not to have their taxes as high as New York, but those are state decisions and it is completely constitutional. Another main idea the Constitution is built off of are separation of powers, meaning we have three branches of government. And those three branches divide the powers up. But remember, just because the powers are divided up does not mean that they have equal Uh, power in that separation. Along with separation of powers, we have checks and balances. Uh, In order for the government to work effectively, all three branches must work together, and this prevents any one branch from gaining too much power. For example, Congress can pass a bill, but it doesn't become a law unless the president signs it. If the president signs it, it becomes a law we have to follow. The president can also veto it if he thinks it's a bad idea, But Congress can override the president's veto with a two-thirds majority vote. Let's say that bill becomes a law and the Supreme Court takes a look at it and says it does not follow what the Constitution allows the government to do. The Supreme Court can can then declare the law unconstitutional and the law has to be removed. In that case, and that's just one example of all three branches being involved, it allows for each of the three branches to make sure they have a check and a balance on the other two. Again, to prevent that concentration of power that the founding fathers were so concerned about. Another couple of principles of the, of the Constitution, and bear with me here, I know we're a little longer than we normally are. Um, one is called popular sovereignty, and that goes back to that phrase from the uh, preamble, we the people, meaning that the people are in charge. Another idea of the Constitution is flexibility, meaning that uh, the Constitution allows for change. Uh, We have an amendment process to make changes to the Constitution, which we've used 27 times throughout our nation's history, and we also have that Article 1, Section 8, that elastic clause which allows Congress to stretch and expand its powers if it needs to. We also have individual rights that are spelled out. Uh, The first 10 amendments are called the Bill of Rights, and they're very clear about rights that people are given, not by the government, but as natural rights. There's also limited government. The government is not all-powerful and all-knowing. Uh, the government is limited in its power. And remember that power comes from you and I, we the people. Uh, if We want to alter our government. The easiest way to do that is to go out and vote for new people in the government. And last but not least is a principle of the Constitution that is emphasized on the Regents Exam, and that is that this, I, we have this idea of an unwritten constitution. The unwritten constitution is based on the traditions and examples or precedents that we've, we've had over time. For example, up to the 22nd amendment, only serving two terms as president was a part of that unwritten constitution. Up until 1951, it wasn't in the constitution, but most presidents followed that example anyway. Creating a cabinet. Washington created a cabinet in his first, uh, first term as president. That is not in the Constitution at all, but most presidents have thought it's a pretty good idea. So every president since George Washington uh, has created a cabinet. Uh, and last but not least, um, Washington gave a farewell address. Every president who knew that they were leaving office uh, since George Washington has given a farewell address, kind of highlighting what they accomplished and kind of also highlighting what they hope to see in the future. Now, presidents like Lincoln and Kennedy and McKinley obviously wouldn't have been able to give a farewell address because uh, they died while in office, so obviously they didn't have an opportunity to put together their thoughts and to uh, talk about what it was they accomplished and what they hope to see in the future. So that kind of sums up the Constitution, its structure, and the principles or the main ideas upon which the Constitution were made. Um, Appreciate you listening. Uh, Certainly if you have any questions for us to answer or any topics for us to discuss, uh, please contact us at hollyhistory65 at gmail.com or send us a tweet at hollyhistory. Uh, And please don't forget that we have a ton of episodes, a lot of shorts to help you out uh, with studying, and a number of roundtable discussions. Um, And you can find those uh, at hollyhistory on SoundCloud or on the hollyhistory channel on YouTube. So I would like to just take a moment to say thank you for listening and have a good day.